up on today's episode, we are talking about Morgan Wallen again, the Billboard Music Awards diversity and things that just don't matter. I'm Steve Freeman. This is the Steve Freeman Podcast brought to you by Found. You're listening to the Steve Freeman Podcast, the real raw truth about the pursuit of success in music, business, and life. Here's your host, hit songwriter, multi-platinum selling producer, and serial entrepreneur, Steve Freeman. self-employed and you have not found the right banking solution, I have the answer for you. We've been talking about it for a few weeks now. My friends at Found are banking for the self-employed. It's easy to sign up. There's no minimum balance, no monthly fees because when you're self-employed, you need to separate your business banking, track your income and business expenses. You got to do complicated, way beyond my ability, self-employed taxes. Found takes care of all that so you can focus on the parts of your job that you love. Now, what what is Found? Found is a full-featured business bank account. It comes with business checking, business debit card, direct deposit, and ATM. It's also an all-in-one income and expense tracker with automatic expense categorization. You can set your own custom categorization rules. You can capture all of your receipts and have a note log, plus import transactions from other sources and invoicing. Found is uh, an easy and just it's simple to use. I was telling somebody the other day, somebody texted me and asked me about it. I was saying, you have no idea how easy it is to use. They have comprehensive and easy to use tax features, which is really important to me, uh, which that includes a custom tax calculator, dedicated tax savings account, intelligent tax withholding and auto generated schedule C's and in app tax payments. You also get real time business reports. You can open an account for free in just minutes. Go do it today. If you're self-employed, you will never have a better banking experience. Go to get.found.app slash Steve Freeman. That's get.found.app forward slash Steve Freeman. Found business banking for the self-employed. Well, howdy, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Steve Freeman podcast. New week, new episode. I'm so glad you're here. Don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, no matter where you're listening, but especially on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Do me a favor, take 30 seconds out of your day, leave us a written review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcast. If you're watching the video version of the podcast on the Steve Freeman Podcast YouTube channel, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for more content so that you're notified every time new episodes are uploaded on Tuesdays and Fridays. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, click that notification bell, make sure that you click all notifications so that you do get those notifications when uh, new episodes are uploaded. It's easy to do. It's very simple. Leave a comment as well. Uh, Don't forget, you can follow me on social media at the Steve Freeman on all social media platforms. And if you really want to get in touch with me, I would love to have you as a member of my community. And it's it's never been easier to do. There's no email, no sign up for any of that kind of junk. All you got to do is text me 949-577-8227. That's 949-577-8227. You can ask questions. You can I, can, I give out pointers all the time and strategies, share stuff around. It's very easy to do. So just shoot me a text. I, I'm getting to where I don't read Instagram DMs. So those of you that are sending me DMs, I'm asking you, don't send me DMs anymore because it, it's just getting, it's getting crazy over there in the DMs. So just text me, 949-577-8227. For those of you that are here for the music business content, we do have uh, right now, 
over 15 hours of courses up on my site. We're, we're getting everything migrated over to the new site. And we've got the Artist Development Masterclass. We've got uh, the Art of Songwriting with five-time CSAC Songwriter of the Year, Reggie Ham. Uh, we've got YouTube for musicians and artists. Hours and hours and hours and hours of helpful courses. 30 years of my knowledge put into these courses. If that's something you would like, go to thestevefreeman.com and click on Become a VIP. When you do that, you get access to all of those courses, plus additional content that you don't hear on the podcast, including additional episodes and things like that. It's the Outsider VIPs. I'd love to have you as a member. So go to thestevefreeman.com and click on Become a VIP, and you'll get access to all those courses and additional content. thestevefreeman.com. All right, guys, I want to talk about Morgan Wallen again, because here, here we are. This is award season, so we're, we're in the middle of award season. And of course, Morgan Wallen is the biggest thing outside of his racial slur snafu. Morgan Wallen is the biggest thing in country music. Um, let's see. During this past year, his second studio album, Dangerous, it's a double album. It spent 12 weeks at number one. Um, atop the country albums and chart and 10 weeks uh, at the top of the all genre billboard top 200 chart. All of this success has culminated in him being nominated for ACM awards, for CMA awards, for now billboard music awards. He is a finalist in five categories, as he should be because he outsold, outbeat, outdid everybody. But he will not be allowed to appear on this year's Billboard Music Awards broadcast. It's going to be airing coming up on the 23rd of this month on NBC. Now, the reason is because of what happened back in January with his N-word snafu when he was talking to his friends and, and his worst hashtag worst neighbor ever caught the exchange on their ring doorbell. And I evidently sold the footage to TMZ. So we all remember what happened there. Well, Billboard has decided, and, and look, other award shows have done the same thing. They've said, look, you're not, you're not welcome. You, you can't come. They, they even, even, even some of the categories he was nominated from, they denominated him from the cat. I mean, look, it's, everybody knows what's going on. But now this is the latest. The uh, production company behind the Billboard Music Awards put out this statement. I'm going to read it. Quote, unique among award shows, Billboard Music Awards finalists are determined by performance on the Billboard charts and are not chosen by a voting committee or membership organization. BBMA finalists are winners based on key fan interactions with the music, including album and digital song sales, streaming, radio airplay social engagement, tracked by Billboard and its data partners, including MRC data. They continue, with our content reaching millions of viewers, DCP and MRC, that's Dick Clark Productions, by the way, and MRC, have the privilege and responsibility to affect change by creating a more inclusive dialogue in our productions and across the industry. Morgan Wallen is a finalist this year based on charting. As his recent conduct does not align with our core values, we will not be including him on the show in any capacity, performing, presenting, or accepting. 
They go on to say it is heartening and encouraging to hear that Morgan is taking steps in his anti-racist journey and starting to do some meaningful work. We plan to evaluate his progress and will consider his participation in future shows. I like how they're in that last little last little part there that they have to it's almost like taking a jab. They had to take a jab in saying that they are glad and encouraged to hear that Morgan Wallen is taking steps in his anti-racist journey. Let me back up in case you've been living under a rock. When he used the word, just, I just would feel like going over this one more time, just so you understand. He was not calling a black person the N-word. He was not referring to a person of color. It was a white guy to a white guy. There were no people of color involved whatsoever. So to me, I think if you refer to another white person as the N-word, I don't think that can technically be considered racist. Because you're not talking to another a person of, a, of another color, another race, another creed. But see, none of that matters in the culture we live in today. None of that matters. They just, they're so excited at the opportunity to, to be able to label somebody something and to be able to cancel the most successful. This to me is ridiculous. Despite the fact that over the last four months, more African-American artists, more black people on social media, on TikTok and everywhere else have come out and said, dude's not a racist. Sorry, we, we, and, and let me, I'm going to throw this out there as well, because I think this is important. I do believe wholeheartedly that the average, normal, everyday black person in America deals with real racism. Maybe even on a, on a daily basis. In some form, fashion, or another, I totally get it. I totally understand, as I said in a podcast episode last year sometime, I do believe that there is a difference when a black person gets pulled over by the police and when a white person gets pulled over by the police. They have a completely different set of worries than I do. I get that. I think they battle real racism on a real level, probably on a daily basis, if not daily, probably weekly basis, and it is a real thing. What happened with Morgan Wallen and what Morgan Wallen did, I think they as a collective, as a race, except for those trying to race bait and, and continue and, and, and draw these lines even deeper than what they already are, I think the, the vast majority of black people got together and went, dude, look, we deal with racism every day. What Morgan Wallen did is not offensive and it's not racist. You cannot label a guy a racist for calling another white guy the N-word. Only where we are today, only in today's set of circumstances and the cancel culture and the virtue signaling and everything else, could that even be considered racist? We have this certain group of people who unfortunately have the loudest voices in the room. They are the ones that are running around shouting racist, this is racist, when real people are in the background going, no, not really. Unfortunately, we, as we've talked about before, the, the loudest voices in the room are the ones that get heard. 
And I guess, are these the same people that get to determine when Morgan Wallen is, is it's okay for him to resume his career and his life? I mean, is it a year? Is it two years? I mean, despite the sales, despite the fact that he broke every record in country music by staying on top of the charts for 12 weeks, broke, shattered every record that has ever existed. He sold more, more number one singles. Like I said, the album, number one, 12 weeks. 10 weeks on the all, he spent 10 weeks at number one above everybody else. That's all genre, everybody else. And if you ever look at the demographics of, of what breaks up, and all this stuff is available online, by the way, if you ever want to go do the research for yourself, the demographics and the breakdowns of what goes into these charting and, and who these sample sizes are, He spent that long on top of the charts, on top of everybody else, just from a demographic standpoint. Those are not all white people. I I would venture to guess that if you have a record that stays on top of the all genre chart, the group of people that are participating in that sample to create that are probably the most diverse from an ethnic racial makeup of any other thing in the history of the planet. Because one could say, okay, well, he's on top of the country chart. Well, again, people are saying this is racist, but you could say, okay, there's probably more white people than black people that listen to country music. That's not a racist statement. That's probably just fact. Again, because like we've talked about in previous episodes, it's, it's geographical. It, it, it's, it's inherent to who we are. More white kids grow up in white homes listening to country music and being exposed to it by their parents than do black kids growing up being introduced to country music. Same thing, other side of the coin. There are more black kids growing up in their home being introduced to more black-influenced music. That is not racist. That's, that's just fact. We've gotten to a point where when we just say facts, if, if people don't like the fact, then they try to find some categorization they can stick it in to cancel it because they don't like the fact that it is, in fact, a fact. Unfortunately, that's just not how life works for 99.999% of us that live here in the real world, that live with and deal with real problems on a daily basis. It, just like I said, the reason... That And by the way, he stayed on top of what, what catapulted him to most of this success happened after the N-word incident. Okay, so that happened. They tried to cancel him and real people, a lot of them who were, were African-American and black people came and said, look, no, we deal with racism on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. This is not racism. Let's stop calling it racism because when we do, it cheapens real racism. It's almost like crying wolf. How many of you have heard the story about the boy who cried wolf? Same thing here. If we just call and, and, and cry out racist all the time, what happens when there are real examples of it? If we're off busy fake, uh, trying to fix and remedy fake racism and fake problems in our country, where are we when it's really happening? Are we too busy? Are we too short-staffed to deal with the real problems when real things are going on? Because we're over here trying to make sure that we label Morgan Wallen a racist and make sure that he can't show up to an award show. 
despite the fact that he outsold and was on top of the charts far longer, breaking history than anybody else. And that, that's what really concerns me. And if I, were, if I were black in America, despite everything, other, other problems that I would have to deal with, this would really piss me off. Because if I had to leave my house, if I were a parent, if I were a black parent and both of my daughters were black, I would have the worries that you hear other black people talk about. I do worry about them going out. I worry about them getting their driver's license. I worry about the interactions they're going to have with the police. Not that all police are bad. They're not. 90%, 99% of them are good too. But there is that inherent concern. So if I were black and both of my daughters, it would piss me off that the people that have the loudest voices in the room spend this much time on fake racism. When there are real problems, real racism going on, why can't we use the loudest voices in the room to show, shine lights on those and bring those subjects to the top? And let's talk about that. I think the reason that it is is because we don't want to fix the problem. It's like I said in the last episode, there, there, you can hold power and have control over a people that are divided. See, this is something that I think, I'm going to say this as a white guy because I, I can't say it as anything else. But I think that we're pretty, real people are pretty much 100% in agreement with what I'm saying right now. I think most white people, most black people would say the exact same thing. This is bullshit. There are real problems out there we could be focusing on. Instead of Billboard magazine, the Academy of Country Music, and all these other people trying to make themselves look good by taking advantage of a situation. I just think that, that real people are so much better served if the people that we elevate and we put up on these pedestals use that power that we have given them to fix real shit, to talk about real issues, to bring about real change. Barring Morgan Wallen from the Billboard Music Awards is changing nothing. It's pissing a lot of people off. And we're starting to see the wizard behind the curtain. I think a lot of people are starting to see that since this has worked this way, that we as a real people have been manipulated for years and years and years and years. Like I talked about in the last episode, it's difficult for me not to look at situations like this and apply everything else, whether it be the coronavirus, whether it be the vaccine. It's just manipulation. Based on real facts so that it feels real. But, you know, they say the best liars in the world are the ones that use their lie. The basis of their lie is is rooted in truth. So when you look around at situations that are happening like this, it's easy to see what's going on. We're being lied to. We're being manipulated. We're being told things that matter matter the most when they don't really matter at all. And I want to talk about that coming up in a little bit as well. I want to kind of parlay this into talking about what's going on with the Academy. The Academy Awards were last week. Uh, lowest TV ratings. Now, I got to be honest with you. Because I'm in that business, I'm in the TV film business, 
and getting more and more into it every day. I'm a film fan. I love movies. Um, I usually would circle or add in my calendar the night when the Academy Awards were happening. I, every year, look forward to watching them. I make sure that I try to watch all of the nominated films because I like being involved in the process. This year, I didn't even know it was the Academy Awards until Sunday. And then I got involved in watching a show and didn't even care about watching them. I think part of that reason is because I knew what to expect. I knew what was going to happen. We were going to get this political one-sidedness, again, talking about stuff that isn't real, trying to make mountains out of molehills and further divide us. And I think most people were like me because it was the lowest viewership in the history of the Academy Awards. Because of what happened with COVID and everything else, most of the studios held back most of the major releases. So nothing against anybody that was nominated or the films that were nominated. But this was one of the first years in history where not a, not a single major movie was even nominated. Most of the films that were nominated barely were in theaters. And, and I think two or three of them were like Amazon Originals and Netflix Originals. And even though they were available widely to people, were movies that nobody saw. I saw a couple of them just because, you know, I do what everybody else does. There's a new movie out on Netflix. All right, I check it out or Amazon or Hulu or whoever. But I want to I want to talk about and go over real quick what's going on with the Academy Awards. And it has to do with diversity. Back in September. The Academy announced new rules that production companies and everybody else has to follow if they want their film to be able to be nominated and or win Motion Picture of the Year. I'm going to read you a statement that they put out back in September. Quote, today, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences announced new representation and inclusion standards for Oscars eligibility in the Best Picture category as a part of its Academy Aperture 2025 initiative. The standards are designed to encourage equitable representation on and off screen in order to better reflect the diversity of the movie-going audience. Academy governors, Governors Devon Franklin and Jim Giannopoulos headed a task force to develop the standards that were created from a template inspired by the British Film Institute diversity standards used for certain funding eligibility in the UK and eligibility in some categories of the British Academy of Film and Television Awards, but were adapted to serve the specific needs of the Academy. The Academy also consulted with producers, the Producers Guild of America and is presently, uh, as it presently does for Oscars eligibility. The uh, aperture must widen to reflect our diverse global population in both the creation of the motion pictures and in the audiences who connect with them. The Academy is committed to playing a vital role in helping make this a reality. That comes from Academy President David Rubin and Academy CEO Don Hudson. 
They continue to say, we believe these inclusions standards will be a catalyst for long lasting essential change in our industry. Now, these will start to take effect for the 94th Oscars, which are next year, 2022, and the 95th Oscars in 2023. Submitting a confidential Academy Inclusion Standard form will be required for Best Picture consideration. However, meeting inclusion, uh, inclusion thresholds will not be required for eligibility in the Best Picture category until the 96th Oscars in 2024. At that time, in 2024, for the 96th Oscars, a film must meet two out of four of the following standards to be deemed eligible. Now, I want to go over these standards with you. This is all about diversity. What I need, I'm going to go through these point by point as we talk more about it. Here's standard A. On-screen representation, themes, and narratives. So this is, has to do with actors playing the roles, the theme of the movie, what's the movie about, and narratives. What are the stories being told? What this is going to mean is that if you don't have a diverse cast, so you might cast, I'll say this both ways so that nobody can say, you cannot, you have to cast a minority. So if your film, it, this is going to get tricky. This is really going to get tricky. But, but understand what that means as we go through this. Now, to achieve standard A, the film must meet one of the following criteria. A lead or significant supporting actors, at least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors, is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. They define this as Asian, Hispanic, uh, Latin, Black African American, Indigenous Native American, Alaskan Native, Middle Eastern, North African, Native Hawaiian, or other Pacific Islander, other underrepresented race or ethnicities. So in order to be considered, for your movie to be considered, for the best picture, you are going to have to have at least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors. They're going to have to be made up of one of those nationalities, one of those races, one of those creeds. Regardless of the fact of how the script was written and, and who the screenwriter or who the producers or who the directors have in mind that they want to play this part, they will not be eligible to win Best Picture of the Year unless they change the way they wrote the script so that they have to include somebody of an underrepresented category. Racial or ethnic group is how they classify it. At least 30%, now this goes on to the general ensemble cast. This is everybody else. At least 30% of all actors in secondary and more minor roles are from at least two of the following underrepresented groups. Women, racial or ethnic groups, LGBTQ+. I don't know what the fuck we can add to plus. Uh, do we not cover everything with LGBTQ? Or we just when we add the plus, are we just saying that there may be some shit we hadn't thought of yet, and we just want to be able to include that? I mean, I think LGBTQ. I, I think that covers everything. I'm scared to know what the plus is leaving room for. Uh, people with cognitive or physical disabilities, or who are deaf or hard of hearing. 
that one made me laugh. I'm sorry. Um, Cause couldn't you just fake that to make the rules to, to make in the rules? I, I, I'm sorry. I can't hear you. I'm hard of hearing. And then, I, well, that's, that's main storyline or subject matter. We're going to get at that, that in just a second. So what they are doing here is telling directors, production companies, producers, screenwriters, you have to write these people into your movies. And if you don't, it will not be considered for best picture. No matter how good the movie is, no matter how many people vote for it, it won't even be up for nomination. If 30% of all the actors in secondary and minor roles are not women from a racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ+, or people with cognitive or physical disabilities or who are deaf or hard of hearing. I, do you start to, me being in this business, I look at this and go, man, this is, making a movie is so hard. It's so difficult to get all of the moving pieces to work together like fine-tune uh, machine, gears working together. Now you interject all of this into the process and it's just going to make it that much harder. Now let's talk about storyline and subject matter. The main storyline or storylines, theme or narrative of the film is centered on an underrepresented group. Women, racial or ethnic groups, LGBTQ+, or people with cognitive or disability, physical disabilities or who are deaf or hard of hearing. This, you have to meet this criteria. So it has to be a movie about women, about a racial or ethnic group, about LGBTQ+, or people with cognitive or dis physical disabilities, or deaf or hard of hearing. This is the main storyline or subject matter. It has to be about one of these themes in order to be considered for best picture. This blows my mind, in all honesty. I, I am all, well, I tell you what, let me, I'll give my thoughts at the end of this, because we're not done. We're not done. There are more rules. Here is standard B, create, uh, creative leadership and project team. To achieve standard B, the film must meet one of the criteria below. B1, create leadership and department heads. At least two of the following creative leadership positions and department heads, casting director, cinematographer, composer, costume designer, director, editor, hairstylist, makeup artist, producer, production designer, set decorator, sound, VFX supervisor, writer, are all from the following underrepresented groups, women, racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ+, or again, people with cognitive or physical disabilities or who are deaf or hard of hearing. At least one of these positions must belong to the following underrepresented racial or ethnic group, Asian, Hispanic, Latin, Black, African-American. I, I mean, I, I'm saying this and I'm going to say this facetiously. But it is a highly, it's highly likely that when you start going to the movies in a year from now, the only movies being made are going to be starring a gay, half Mexican, half black, lesbian, bi, deaf woman that's married to an Asian transsexual who has a physical disability and is having a same-sex affair 
with an African-American, indigenous, or Middle Eastern person. If you follow these rules, this is what you're going to get. When it comes down to the crew, at least six other crew team and technical positions, excluding production assistants, have to be from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. These positions included are not limited to first AD, gaffer, script, supervisor, etc. At least 30% of the film's crew has to either be women, uh, has to come from a, an underrepresented racial or ethnic group, LGBTQ+. There's really high importance on this LGBTQ+. Or people with physical disabilities who are deaf or hard of hearing. I think you're going to have a lot of actors around Hollywood that, that, have hard, that have a hard time hearing. The last standard. Now, now, you have to at least meet one of these. But the liberals that are running this industry, trust me, they're looking this as, as a grand slam. They're going to be trying to hit first base, second base, and third base. The standard C comes down to industry access and opportunities. You, they're going to have to have paid apprenticeships and internship opportunities. The film's distribution or financing company has paid apprenticeships or internships that are from the following underrepresented groups to satisfy the criteria. Anybody want to take a guess what groups these people need to be from? You guessed it. Ding, 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 ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner for women, racial groups, ethnic groups, LGBTQ+, people with cognitive or physical disabilities, or who are deaf or hard of hearing. Guys, this is, this is where we, it, it, there's, it goes on. They've even, when it comes down to representation in the marketing, publicity, and distribution of the film, you still have to have a percentage of these uh, underrepresented groups in order to be. So this, is, this is, comes down to writing the script, producing the movie, marketing it, the crew, everybody. And you are going to have to submit a form to the Academy of Motion Picture and Sciences that states all of the people involved and check off the box that they are either Asian, Hispanic, Latin, Black African-American, Indigenous, Native American, Alaska Native, Middle Eastern, Northern African, Native Hawaiian, or other Pacific Islander, or another underrepresented race or ethnicity, or their LGBTQ, woman, racial, or other ethnic group. This is going to be impossible. This is going to be harder than making movies during COVID. I am all for diversity. 100% for it. I think that this is overshooting the, the people that we are. Because I, I don't know anybody out there trying to exclude anybody. I think when a screenwriter sits down and has an idea for a story and wants to tell a story, he's not thinking in terms of it, well, I don't want any black people in my movie. I don't want any LGBTQ plus people in my movie. I don't want any Asians in my movies. I don't think that's happening. I think, again, we're overcorrecting. 
I look around when I watch TV, they, they, they keep referring to all of these groups as underrepresented. And I'm, I'll probably get the racist comments on this. I don't remember the last time I turned on a television show and didn't see a black person or a woman. Um, I, if anybody has any right to complain, I agree 100% with Asians, Hispanics, indigenous, indigenous Native American people, uh, Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islanders. I, I, I agree with that completely. Because they, they are completely underrepresented. But I have a hard time turning on a movie or a television show where most of the time one of the lead characters is either a woman, a black person, but, or gay, less LGBTQ+. They act like they're so underrepresented and, and it's like I look around and I see how is that even possible? I do see lack of inclusion. There are a ton of shows that have black only. They're black only shows. And that's diverse. That's considered diverse. When you have programming that is all gay people, all black people, all indigenous people, all Middle Eastern people, that's totally cool because that's diverse. But if you have a show with all white people, that's racist. I don't believe that we can implement and put in rules like this that do anybody any good until we stop the double standard. Like I said, I'm all for the diversity, but I also believe that because here's the thing. If you're a screenwriter and you're sitting down and you've got this thing in your mind. I, I think I don't see why if, if a role was originally intended, because I know a lot of writers when they sit down and they write scripts. They place actors in their minds. So the screenwriters get very married to certain ideas. And that influences the way that they write these scripts because they see these actors. Now, whether that actor is potentially going to play that role or not, it doesn't really matter. But we do that. We, we place them because it's easier for us to tell the story. So when it comes down to it, if I'm the writer and I have, have this thing and I, I've imagined this and I've played out in my head, and now you're telling me that this role that I've written for this guy can't be a guy anymore, it's, now it's got to be a woman. Or my picture can't be, uh, can't be nominated for Best Picture of the Year. It changes everything. I wish we could stop trying to legislate change. Because it's impossible. I look around every year. One of the most frustrating things to me is every year, especially when it comes to women they, in the Academy Awards or the Golden Globes, they get up there and talk about, you know, you, 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 Meryl Streep gets up there and talks about how underrepresented women are. Really? I, 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 Angelina Jolie. Meryl Streep, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman. How can any of these people make that assessment? Now, if you want to talk about equal pay, that's a different thing. I'm all for that. I think I don't care if you're a man, woman, LGBTQ plus Native American. I don't give a shit. You ought to make what you're supposed to make. You, and, there, and there have been, these go highly unreported. There have been many male actors 
that have stood up for their female co-stars and said they need to make what I'm making or I'm not doing the film. That's how things change. But see, we don't hear anything about that. We just hear about how horrible all these people are. I get frustrated when I see a black person get up there and talk about there needs to be more black representation in film. Really? Talk to Denzel Washington. Talk to Morgan Freeman. Talk to, to Jamie Foxx. Talk to, so I, I, I don't, see, I guess as a real person, I don't see it. I think there's this idea up there and we keep perpetuating this idea that doesn't really exist. Do you really think that most of these people are underrepresented when you turn on your television or, you, or, or a new movie comes out and you go to the theater or it comes out on Netflix or it comes out on Amazon? Because I'm not seeing that reflected on the screen. I, I, I don't have to look far to find a black person in a movie or now, like I said before. You, I think you do when it comes to Hispanics and Latin American people. I, I, I think they are to me, if you if you're a screenwriter and you've written a role and the two leads are a white guy and uh, two white guys. Uh, the, the other guy, one person could be a black guy, doesn't really matter to me. But if it could be a black person, then it could be an Asian person. It could be Hispanic, it could be an indigenous person, Middle Eastern. So, look, I'm all for there being some diversity. I'm all for there being a lot of diversity. But I'll tell you what I'm all really for is I'm all for who's going to do the best job. I've never wanted to receive or get anything because of a mandate. I want to be chosen because I'm the best at what I do. I won the part. I won the role because of my talent. I don't want you to give me anything because of the color of my skin or because of my sexual orientation. And I think, I think if, you, if you talk to most of these people, they're real people just like you and me, and I think they would say the same thing. I really honestly do. But again, this is us putting time, effort, and focus on things that just don't matter. And that's what I want to end with today. This is surely to offend some of you, but that's okay. I believe it needs to be said. I put something out. Let me see if I can find it. I put something out on social media over the weekend, and I, and I, I want to reread it because I think, it's, I think it's that important. And here's what I put. People wonder why their lives aren't going anywhere while constantly marking their lives by things that mean less than nothing. If you are incapable of deciphering between what matters and what doesn't, you're on a loop of mediocrity. I wanted to put that out because I see posts from so many people celebrating things that mean nothing. Putting so much weight, so much positive energy behind things that don't matter. Whether it's a songwriting competition or it's some award show that nobody gives two shits about and doesn't matter to anybody. You can't do enough to make it something. And, and, and what really aggravates me, and not, not aggravates me, it saddens me, really, because I see a lot of the same people 
they're going nowhere. They're on that treadmill we've talked about a thousand times. But they like posting this kind of stuff because it looks like they're doing a lot, but they're not really doing anything. They're, they're, they're doing a lot, but they're not doing anything. They're not going anywhere. But it's in these same people that sit around month after month, year after year, and they can't figure out, wow, why, why am I not going? Why am I not so much further? The answer to that question is because you've marked this whole time period by things that mean nothing to anybody else. They mean nothing in the grand scheme. It's like I've talked about the music row charts before and internet radio charts. Those of you artists out there that give any credence whatsoever to internet radio competitions or songwriting competitions, it means nothing. It means less than nothing. But you guys post about it, you put it out on social media as if it's supposed to make you and put you up on this pedestal that it's some sort of validation that you're better than what you are. And then when it doesn't really turn into anything, you wonder, man, why? It's because you're the only one that values it. You're the only one that sees any value there. It doesn't mean anything to anybody else. I, I want people to see real accomplishment. I want people to see real growth. But I feel like if most of you are in a hole digging competition, most of you are showing up with those little sand shovels you get when you go to the beach. Meanwhile, everybody else over there, they're digging with real shovels. They've got backhoes and you're sitting over there with a, the, the little shovel, the little plastic shovel that you use to make sand castles with and wondering why your hole's not deeper. Why haven't I been able to get anywhere? It's like, well, look at the tool you're using. But you spend six months telling people how amazing that little plastic shovel is. Oh, and look, it's so awesome. And this is my shovel. Meanwhile, it won't shovel shit. Focus on the things that matter. Because those are the things that, that matter over everything. And if, if you, if you here's, the, here's the other thing. So many of you feel like you have to be so active that you've got to be look like you're busy and you're succeeding all the time. That's why you put so much credence behind this little bullshit that doesn't matter because you don't have anything that looks good on social media that is of substance. Stop living your life based on what you can or cannot post on social media because I'm going to say, I would say it again. I've said it before. Nobody cares. The best thing I've seen posted on social media is the picture of that guy, you know, the guy that holds up all the signs. The guy that holds up all the signs, somebody posted a picture and he's the sign that he's holding says, nobody cares about your song on Spotify. That's been my favorite thing I've seen on social media all year because it's the truth. Focus on the things that matter. If you do, and, and look, it's okay to not have stuff that matters all the time. I think a lot of you struggle with that. It's like, oh man, I got to have something that looks like I'm active, something that, no, you don't. Just be present, be real. That's what people really want. That's what social media was all about. It was not, it was not designed to push and sell and do all this. It's what it's turned into. But the whole thing was just to share your life. Behind the scenes, people stress out so much over what to post on social media. I'm working with an artist right now that literally said this to me the other day. 
I think I've got 4 million pictures on my iPhone, but I can't figure out what to post. That's a two plus two equals nine scenario. You shouldn't have that problem. Two plus two should always equal four. You shouldn't have that much problem. It shouldn't cause you that much. Loosen the restrictions on yourself. Stop being so hard on yourself. Stop worrying about things that don't matter. Furthermore, stop putting out publicly things that don't matter, that only mean something to you and expect them to mean anything to anybody else, especially people that know that what you're putting out there doesn't matter and nobody cares and it means less than nothing. That's my two cents anyway. Guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Steve Freeman Podcast. So good to have you here. Don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a written review. Only takes about 30 seconds. Make sure you're following me on social media at the Steve Freeman. And if you want to text me, you want to ask a question, give me an idea for an upcoming podcast episode, whatever you want to do. The best way to do that is to text me 949-577-8227. That's 949-577-8227. Check out the Outsider VIP Club at thestevefreeman.com. Guys, till the next time, dream big, work harder.